Hello and welcome to the program, UFO Warning. In today's program, I'd like to take a look at something that, uh, quite frankly, is disturbing to me. And that is the uh, ongoing epidemic of missing people in our national park system. Uh, if you're a David Blighty's fan like I am, you probably listen to a lot of these. And uh, your heart has to go out to the families of these people because... I really couldn't imagine anything much worse than losing a loved one and not having any, any idea what happened to him. The circumstances just being unexplainable. It's really a, it's a really concerning thing. And then when you listen to Mr. Polites, a former police officer, talk about how he's just got basically nothing but resistance from the National Park Service and the government and trying to uh, get to the bottom of this, you know... It looks like they're trying to cover something up. I don't know what else we're supposed to infer from this when he puts in for simple four-year request and he's denied time after time. The question becomes, what are they covering up and who are they covering up for? It's hard to believe they could just be that cold-hearted and evil not to want to help people get closure on their families. It's almost like they're under threat from something. I don't know what else we're supposed to... I don't know what else we're supposed to assume from this, but it doesn't give a person much faith in their faith in the uh, the government. And I think it stands to reason when we see, you know, the last 60, 70 years of uh, how UFO investigators have been treated and how UFO investigators and uh, people curious about that phenomenon have been mocked and ridiculed by the government only to have them come out a couple weeks ago and admit finally after all these decades nearly a hundred years that ufos are indeed are indeed real but they just don't know what they are so anyway i came across this article from 2015 it's at newyorkpost.com you can look it up and it's titled six reasons to never ever visit a national park now, they're probably engaging in a little bit of a hyperbole with this, the author's lore, Tuzanat, but I kind of have to agree. And she starts off the article and she says, The National Park Service turned 100 on August 25th, of course this would be 2016, celebrating a century's worth of breathtaking views, towering forests, and picturesque landscapes, as well as extremely spooky vanishings, unsolved disappearances, and mysterious discoveries of human remains. From the redwood forest to the Gulf Streams, this land wasn't made for the weak. Here are six stories of people who went into one of America's 59 national parks and never returned. And then she starts off with the uh, Smoky Mountain Mysteries, and she says, uh, Three unresolved disappearances have haunted the Great Smoky Mountain National Park for over four, four decades. The first took place on June 4, 1969 when six-year-old Dennis Martin was scheming with his brother and two other boys in the park's Spence Field while on an annual camping, family camping trip. They were planning to sneak up on their family and startle them, but when the boys ran up and jumped on the adults, Dennis was nowhere to be found. Now, this is one that David Plytus has talked about extensively, and he even went back and visited with the boy's father, and it's an extremely sad case. There's some very strange um, circumstances surrounding this. Uh, it looks like cover-up from start to finish when you listen to Mr. Polite's uh, investigation on it. 
it almost seems like there was some sort of paranormal event that surrounds this thing. This little guy just disappears into nowhere. And I can't even imagine, you know, the trauma that his poor parents had to go through. And from what Mr. Blytis tells us, I mean, just pretty much the indifference from the Park Service as far as trying to uh, give disclosure on this case. And we run into this situation over and over again with the government. Anytime we want disclosure on the unexplainable, uh, we're met with uh, not just a mockery and ridicule, but sometimes we're just met with downright mean-heartedness where they refuse to help people. Now, the next case she talks about is October 8, 1976, while on a horticulture field trip with 40 of her classmates, 16-year-old Trin, Trini Lynn Gibson was hiking along Andrews Bald. No one can recall seeing her after 3 p.m. Searches continued for months, but no trace of Gibson was ever found. That's another common thing we have with these uh, cases. Sometimes people will be walking along, and maybe they're toward the back of the pack, and uh, nobody even notices or thinks about it. And then when someone does check, they're gone. No explanation. Just completely disappeared. It's like they were lifted off the face of the earth. 58-year-old Thelma Pauline Melton was hiking near Deep Creek Campground, a trail she's been on many times before on September 25, 1981. She was with friends when she walked ahead of them and vanished over a hill. But they couldn't find her on the other side, nor could they find her at the campground where she was staying. All three disappearances ignited massive searches. Dennis Martin's cost $65,000, but not a single trace of them ever turned up. And I'll tell you something else that bothers me about this. In a lot of these cases, some cases they do bring dogs in. But, you know, you wonder why why isn't the first response to bring in bloodhounds? When we know these dogs, and I've known people that have raised bloodhounds, and we know the kind of success rate that these tracking dogs have in finding people. You know, why do, it seems as though the Park Service and the uh, authorities almost want to wait until the trail goes cold before they bring in these tracking dogs. Uh, and not just the national parks. It seems to be an epidemic across the country. You know, you have a proven uh, successful tactic in crime solving, and yet they refuse to, to uh, use it. In fact, I talked to a fellow who raised bloodhounds uh, many years ago, and he told me that they have regular bloodhound organizations where people will bring their dogs in for free even and do this, volunteers. So why they don't, uh, you know, avail themselves of this crime-solving tactic and try to at least get an idea where these people have disappeared to, it's beyond me. Now it goes on here, it says, The disappearance of Jared Negret. In 1991, a Boy Scout went on his first overnight camping trip with his church in the San Bernardino National Forest. 12-year-old Jared Negret, described in articles at the time as a shy and pudgy kid, was with five other scouts and their troop leader when they left Camp Tequitz, Tequitz, I'm not sure, to hike up 11,500-foot Mount St. Georgiano, the highest peak in Southern California. Jared fell behind the group, differing reports have him either wandering off the trail, falling behind after stopping to tie his shoe, or being told to hang back for the troop to collect him on the way back down from the summit. Whatever the case, he was never seen again. You know, you see this a lot. It seems like sometimes people go hiking into these areas and they let their guard down. And it's a situation where 
I guess if I was hiking in one of these places, I wouldn't want to be out of sight, and I wouldn't want to let the people I was with out of sight. I would be hiking in these things, you know, in a manner that reflected the danger that we were in. Rescue teams as far west as Malibu searched around the clock, eventually turning up Jared's backpack, some candy wrappers, beef jerky, and a camera. And this here is what's really weird. Twelve photographs were developed, mostly landscape, but the last one was of Jared's eyes and nose, taken after he went missing. That is super, super disturbing to me. The camera was discovered in the same area as the other items, but after a 16-day search that included five helicopters, rangers on horseback, and infrared cameras, Jared Negretti was never found. You know, it's cases like this that really demand openness, transparency, and disclosure from the investigative authorities and from the Park Service. But we don't seem to be getting any of that. Now here's the third case, the Calden, the Calden Family Massacre. Seven and a half months after the Calden family was reported missing in 1974, police found their bodies. The Caldens had gone camping in the Siskiyou Mountains in Applegate, Oregon over Labor Day weekend, 1974, but failed to show up for dinner at Richard Calden Mother's house on September 1st. Media accounts from the time described their campsite as undisturbed, as if the family left abruptly. Investigators later postulated that they had been abducted. Their bodies were discovered in April 1975, about 100 feet from the campsite. Richard's body was found tied to a tree, while the bodies of his wife and two small children were found in a cave with rocks sealing the entrance. This is strange. So they went missing September 1974, but they were found 100 feet from their campsite in April 1975. And I don't know, it makes you wonder why, why it took, you know, what, six months to find the bodies 100 feet away? Unless this place was just snowbound or something? I don't know, but it's very strange. Dwayne Lee Little, a rapist and killer serving two life sentences, allegedly confessed to a fellow inmate that he murdered the Caldens while on parole. But there was no conviction and the case remains open. That's so terrible for the family because now the case has been clouded, so they're even less likely to get closure. Death Valley Germans. Now, this is one we have heard about, and I think there's probably an earthly explanation for this, and that's the Death Valley Park. is an airy stretch of arid land that covers 3 million acres along the border of California and Nevada, and these were the people that uh, it appears they drove off the road and eventually probably died of Dehydration. Very sad. Now, here's one here. The disappearance of Keith Reinhardt. says Keith Reinhardt was working as a sports reporter at the Daily Herald in Chicago in 1988 when he announced he'd be taking a 90-day sabbatical. I love these mountains and want to live in them before I die in them, Reinhardt wrote to a letter a friend according to an article published in the Daily Herald, August 2008. Reinhardt took off the silver, took off for Silver Plume, Colorado, a small mining town of 200 that sits inside the Arapahoe National Forest at the foot of the Rocky Mountains. In addition to fulfilling his lifelong dream of living in the Rocky Mountains, Reinhardt wanted to write a novel about Tom Young, a man who had vanished from the same town in 1987. When he arrived, Reinhardt opened an antique store in what had formerly been Young's bookstore. Wow. 
One late afternoon while nursing a hangover, Reinhardt went to hike Pendleton Mountain and never returned. More than 100 people logged over 10,000 hours searching and never found a clue to what happened. Sometimes there, the answer is there is no answer, Reinhardt's widow Carolyn O'Donnell told the Daily Herald. Wow, that's so strange, almost like getting a little too close. And now here's one number six, vanished into Adriatics. Douglas Legg, an eight-year-old boy from Syracuse, vanished from his family's summer home in the Adriatics, July 10, 1971. Douglas was going for a family hike when his uncle told him to go back to the house and put on pants to protect his legs from the poison ivy. But something happened on the short walk back to the family's cabin, and Douglas was never seen again. So a lot of these cases, especially with the children, it seems like whatever whatever's going on, it only takes a, maybe a minute or a few seconds for them to to step out of somebody's sight. It's almost like they can't be taken or they can't disappear while somebody has an eye on them. But the instant that they're out of our line of sight, something can take them or they slip away. I mean, who knows? Described as a mini woodsman and avid hiker, Douglas's familiarity with the area, what is now San Antonio Preserve at Newcomb, makes this case a unique one. The majority of unexplained disappearances involve inexperienced hikers in unfamiliar territory. His disappearance launched Adriatic's largest manhunt ever. More than 600 rescuers searched the dense woods as U.S. Air Force planes used infrared equipment to try to detect body heat. An article published in in the journal in July 1971 reported that a C-130, C-131 aircraft also surveyed the area with a thermal scanner device used to penetrate the Vietnam foliage. The family even paid for the elite Sierra Madre Search and Rescue Unit to fly in from California. It's such a wilderness out there, Patrick Keller, the state police senior investigator who still overseeing the investigation, told the Post in 2011. No trace of Douglas was ever found, and the search was abandoned after 33 days. The family sold their property a few months afterwards. So you can imagine how devastating it is for these people. But those are just a few of the cases of missing people that have taken place uh, in our national park system. And, you know, you may say, well, what does that have to do with UFOs? Well, it has a lot to do with UFOs because the same thing's going on. You have things that are happening that shouldn't be happening and that there are, is no explanation for. People don't just disappear off the face of the earth. The same way, you know, I hate to compare people to what's happened in Oregon, but the fact is you're talking about two completely unexplainable events. You know, we have cattle mutilations in Oregon and Australia, all over the world, in fact, that are completely unexplainable. You know, the means by which the animals are killed, unexplainable, how their uh, bodies are mutilated in such surgical procedure, unexplainable, the fact that there are no tracks, unexplainable, and just like with these missing people, no trace, unexplainable, the bodies, uh, oftentimes when they're small children are found maybe several hundred feet up the side of a mountain, uh, many times they have their shoes and socks off. So there's no way they could have walked, you know, hundreds of yards or even miles up the side of a mountain in, in rocky terrain without, without hurting their feet. But yet their feet are just, you know, are just fine. It's just them that's not fine. 
So when we compare these two um, unexplainable phenomena, and then we ask for disclosure, and all we get is resistance, it's, it's cause for concern, especially in light of the fact that here we had these UFO videos recently that were released that had been around for, for years and years, and the Navy had kept them from us, number one. And the whole time, this, the whole time they had this evidence, they knew that UFOs exist and that they're real, but they lied to us and said they're not. So if they'll lie to us about that, what else will they lie to us about? Will they lie to us about the cattle mutilations in Oregon? Yeah, I think so. Will they lie to us about these missing people cases? If they know that there's some sort of, as Nick Pope would say, something so terrible you can't talk about, connection between the UFO phenomena and these missing people, horrible thought. And I, and I can't express, you know, how terrible it must be to be the family of these of these poor souls. But the fact is we need disclosure and we need transparency and we need it across the board with these unexplained phenomena. And I think the only way we're going to get it is if we, as I've always said, continue to do our own investigating along with demanding disclosure, but we have to create disclosure, whether it's, whether it's disclosure with the UFO phenomena or, or the disclosure with UFO crimes that are being committed or whether it's disclosure with uh, these missing people in the national park system. Food for thought. That's all for now. This is UFO Warning. Over and out.